0: Well, good morning. It is good to be back at uh, YZ Free Church. I've known some of you for many, many years. Some of you go back to my days at Camp Shamanah, when I was camp pastor at family camp for several years in a row. Some of you... Uh, uh, have other connections. Matter of fact, I see a couple out here that uh, actually were members of my church in Bloomington at one time. I married them. Uh, right, Doug, Kathy? Uh, it's just really great to be with you. Some of you have, have aged well. We won't go any further. I have to behave myself in this service. I see Annette Holloman out here. She works in my office at uh, the the, uh, Free Church office, in the office of the President. And she'll take back any news of my misbehavior. But also, I, I just want to tell you, don't believe half the stuff that she says about me, okay? Only the good stuff. Now, it's great to be with you, and and what a great opportunity. George, I'm I'm so thrilled that I was here this morning for your commissioning, and uh, welcome to the mission. Uh, I am counting on the Lord using you mightily across the world. It's a much-needed, much-needed ministry in so many parts of the world. Would you turn your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 16? You know, we, we live in a world where we are impacted every day by many, many influences. Our uh, esteemed church chairman here just a few minutes ago said that he's been traveling a lot. Uh, I travel a lot. The next three weeks I'm going to be in Indiana, Baltimore, Maryland, Vancouver, British Columbia, and Tokyo, Japan. Uh that's not uh, uh, typical for me at all. But I can get there very quickly because of the kind of travel that we have now. You know, I can get on a plane at uh, MSP, Minneapolis-St. Paul Airport. Twelve and a half hours later, I'm landing in Tokyo and being greeted by one of the pastors from the Japanese Evangelical Free Church. I like the trip home much better. It's about 11 hours. Like those tailwinds, but the technology with travel has increased greatly. I reach into my pocket and I pull out my phone. My phone, which is a, uh has in it email. Oh, there's one I haven't answered yet. Did you? Can you wait a minute? No. Um, I have my email right here. I have my my telephone here. I have my calendar right here. Um, any place in the world I go, somebody can get a hold of me. that's good, and that's bad. But through travel and technology, uh, the world has really become pretty flat, hasn't it? matter of fact, there is a best-selling business book that's out with that very title, "The World is Flat." Uh, <clears throat> but then there's a the world that we live in. that's filled with threats. It's um, a world that's very threatening to us and very scary to us since uh, September 11th and the the, the, uh, bombing of the Twin Towers. We have lived in a very, very different world. A world that's filled with threats. A world where there's a lot of uh, intolerance when it comes to all kinds of things. A world where even here in Minneapolis... People are threatening each other because of their so-called religious differences. And we live in a world that's filled with terrorism. You know, I grew up in a culture that felt relatively safe. My grandchildren are growing up in a totally different culture. My grandchildren are living growing up in a culture where terrorists abound where child abduction is not unusual. The other about a week ago my wife was talking on the telephone cell phone with my daughter who was in a store and all of a sudden my daughter panicked because her 2-year-old was out of sight. Now, when Kari was two, we didn't panic. We went looking for her. Kari, because of what's going on in the world, panicked. She hung the phone up and called back two minutes later because the feisty little two, two-year-old red-haired girl had gone off to explore the rest of the store, like a normal two-year-old. But we, not only is the world flat, the world is very... Fearful. But this world also is impacted by the whole tolerance-intolerance thing. Uh, On the one hand, we're told to be tolerant. And then uh, as we step out into the world, we discover that people aren't very tolerant of us. You know, we're supposed to be tolerant of certain segments of the culture. And we discover that we dare not unless we experience intolerance, speak out on our own views. You see, tolerance in this culture means you can believe anything, you can say anything you want, but don't try to influence anybody else. Then we're frustrated by the fact that uh, in the world that most of us grew up in, when when you thought about things, when you talked about things, you did it from the basis of fact, not just opinion. And so this culture, for a lot of us, has become very frustrating. It's flat. You can communicate and get to almost any place in the world. It's fearful. And it's frustrating. And into that, the Lord has called us, as He has since Jesus was here, He's called us to be the church. And He's called us to be a, a certain kind of church. We're to be a great commandment and great commission kind of church. We're to be a church, as the Lord said, with the great commandment: "You're so love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength, and and love your neighbor as yourself." but in a flat, fearful, frustrating world, that loving your neighbor as yourself is tough. And yet that's what God has called us to do. But He's also called us to not only be great commandment people, He's called us to be great commission people. Great commission people go out into the world, go into all the world, and preach the Gospel. Go into all the world and make disciples. And while the flatness of the world makes that a bit easier, the fearfulness of this world and the frustration of this world causes us to step back. So we're to be great commandment, great commission people. My thesis this morning is, you won't be a great commandment, a great commission person. You won't be a person who really listens to, and gets excited about stuff like um, Alpha. Alpha, by the way, is a wonderful, wonderful tool for the church. One of my staff members at the office, his wife, is very high up in the Alpha organization here in the United States. I know hundreds of churches who have used it effectively. But everything that Ruhl said this morning is... just will kind of go over your head, go right past you, unless you get the fact that you're to be great commandment, great commission people. And my thesis this morning is that you're compelled by the great confession. Because if you're not motivated and pushed forward with energy by the great confession that we see in this passage in Matthew 16, all of that becomes words, all of that becomes More clutter in your mind and in a flat, fear-filled, frustrating world, you just try to survive. Let's look at the text. It should be familiar to you. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of death will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I tell you, Peter, I'm sure George has taught you well, the word Peter there, the name Peter is, is like a little pebble. And on this rock, Petrus, I will build my church. It's not Peter upon who he's building the church. I believe It's clear in the text, as you study the text, that the rock that he's talking about in this text is the confession in verse 16, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's the confession that has to get deep into our souls. If we're going to make an impact in a flat, fear-filled, frustrating world. And it's the confession that we have to understand that it's, that it's, a, that it's real. You know, we live in a world where uh, reality is what you make it. This statement challenges the kind of world that we're in. We live in a postmodern culture that says everything is individually and culturally determined. I, I personally do not like the shows on TV because uh, I think they don't depict reality. But isn't it amazing that how many shows today are called reality television? Now, is Survivor really reality? Is American Idol really Reality? I don't think so. And you could go on and on with the kinds of reality TV shows that are out there. Some of them are very crass. Some of them are designed to influence in this frustrating culture that we live in. But it's not reality. It's just feeding into the whole idea that reality is individually and culturally determined. And whatever you do is okay. That's your reality. That's the kind of culture that we live in. But we have to come to grips with the fact that we live in a different world when we know Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. The kind of culture that we live in is rooted in Hinduism and Buddhism. It's not rooted in Christianity. You say, whoa, 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 wait a minute, Bill. This is a Christian nation. I've got some bad news for you. We've moved past. Heavy influence of Christianity in this country. See, some of the issues, like the life issue that was talked about for a moment from the pulpit, would not be critical issues in this country if we were really a Christian nation. So let's get over it and recognize that we've moved into a postmodern, non reality, everything's individually determined culture, and come back to the basics of the text. As Christians, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's reality. He is the Christ, the Son of the living God. The confession is true. Do you believe that? Have you come to the point where you believe that? You know, the world talks about pluralism. Now, sociological pluralism is is generally very good. The fact that, that the Evangelical Free Church, which historically was a Norwegian, Swedish, Danish denomination, now has a Dutch president. That's sociological pluralism. Well, for some it is. 1976, when Dr. MacDill was elected president, there was, they, uh, there were many who wanted, who tried to kid him, that he had to change his name to McDillson, because at least in 1976, sociological pluralism was not well accepted amongst certain quarters of the Free Church. You know, we've always been Swedish, Norwegian, and Danish; we should stay there. Well, then they came back to a Swedish president, Dr. Cedar. And then they came to one who is a half-breed. I'm half Scandinavian. But I tend to talk about the Dutch side. But that really isn't all that radical, is it, ethnically? But if we look around our country, our country is this beautiful mosaic of red, brown, yellow, black, and white. Do you remember a song that we sang when we were in Sunday school? I I mentioned that song in a Chinese church a couple of years ago. And they started to sing it. Jesus loves all the children, all the children of the world. Red, brown, yellow, black and white, all are precious in His sight. I am absolutely ecstatic and excited that the Evangelical Free Church is starting to look like the song that I sang in my little rural community in northern Wisconsin 50-some years ago. That's a good thing. You know, the church should be sociologically pluralistic in the sense of social economic class. The church should be sociologically pluralistic in the sense of ethnicity, Uh, in the sense of generations. I was talking in the hallway to some brothers and I made a radical statement there. I said, you know, the church should also include Republicans and Democrats. And we can go on and on and on. That kind of pluralism is healthy. But that's not what I'm talking about that troubles our culture and makes this culture frustrating. It's philosophical pluralism. It's uh, ideological pluralism. But this kind, that kind of pluralism that says you can believe what you want and anything's okay as long as it's your philosophy, as long as it's your truth, is challenged by this statement. Because... J- Peter said, and Jesus affirmed his statement as the rock bottom of what the church is built on. The statement is, you are the, underlined, the Christ. You are the only answer. You are the only Savior. You are the Christ. And that confession is true It's the only valid confession that we can build the church on. And if my friends, if you are waffling at all about that confession, you will not be compelled to be a great commandment and great commission kind of people. If you don't believe deep, deep in your soul that very simple but basic truth, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Third, the confession is hard. And this is where we get to the nitty-gritty of the problem. This confession must be confessed in a world that is inclusive. But this confession is exclusive. This confession must be confessed in a world that says there are multiple ways to heaven. Or in a world that says it doesn't matter what you believe here because when you're gone, you're gone. This confession must be confessed in a world that says it doesn't matter what you believe. This confession comes across as being harsh and judgmental. Because you're saying that if someone does not confess Christ as the Son of the living God, the Savior, they're excluded from God's plan. It's hard. One of the joys of traveling a lot is I'm always sitting next to somebody different on a plane. And I have made it a point not to just stick my nose in a a book or quickly stick my iPod earbuds in my ears and and turn my shoulder a little bit so they won't talk to me. Number one, that's not my nature. And number two, I believe that it's important for Christians to interact with every non-Christian they can. And when we can get to the point, and sometimes you never get there, and sometimes you, you 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 get to where you can tell them about the love of Jesus Christ and the fact that He's the answer for their life. I've had people tell me, isn't that a bit judgmental? Isn't that a bit harsh that you have to believe in this God that you believe in, and you have to believe the way that you believe? And I say, it's not me, my friend. I, I would rather I didn't have to tell you that. It's Jesus that said that. And it's Jesus who you have to deal with. It Either He was a lunatic who made weird claims, or He was the Christ, the Son of the living God. Or He was the one who said in John chapter 14, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. What's the rest of the verse? And no man comes to the Father except by Me. I don't know how many of you watched uh, any of the the President Ford uh memorials and funerals and and so on I listened to and then I because I was in the car for part of it and then I got to a television set and I watched the rest of the the wonderful memorial service in the National Cathedral boy that was majestic and Great hymns and great scriptures and and so on, but I was very intrigued with the fact that one of the pastors read John chapter fourteen, the first six verses, which is a typical passage that many of us have used. I'm sure you've used it many times, George, at, at funerals. Uh, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. He goes on to talk about preparing a place for us. And then the passage ends up with the verse that I just quoted. If you watch that, did you notice that the pastor, when he read it, didn't read all of verse 6? He read, I am the way that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he stopped there. You see, in a inclusive way, pluralistic culture and no man comes to the Father except by me is offensive. Joel Stoll in one of his books talks about uh, speaking at uh, at a pastor's group or a city group of of gathering and uh, one of the speakers talked about that when you, when you speak about God, you never mention, mention Jesus because that's offensive to people. And the man at the end of his speech got a standing ovation from everyone except Joe Stoll, the president of Moody Bible Institute, who sat in his chair. You see, Je- Jesus... And what he represents is tough in this culture. But I am guessing, and I'm not really guessing because I know evangelical people today. Because of the fearful, frustrating nature of this culture, some of you would rather back off from being offensive. Remember, it's Jesus that's offensive, not you. And if you believe that He is the Christ, the Son of the living God, then be compelled to be great commandment, great commission people. But some of us have to come to grips with whether or not we really believe That He is the only way, the only truth. And nobody comes to the Father but by Him. Some of you have allowed yourself to be so influenced by this culture that you're hoping against hope that that some people who are really good people are going to make it. And you're allowing yourself to hope against hope that if we didn't send missionaries to other countries, those people would somehow be accepted into God's kingdom. The Scriptures are clear. He is the Christ, the Son of the living God. No man comes unto the Father except by Him. And my friends, that should not make us arrogant. It should not make us... Uh, the kind of people that are hard to deal with, it should make us the kind of people who are compelled to love the Lord like God, our God with all our hearts, souls, minds and strength to love our neighbors, no matter how miserable, rotten they are, with the love of Jesus. And to get into their lives and share Christ with them. Because, my friend, the next time you look at your neighbor, look him in the eye. And if he doesn't know Christ, and if you drop dead on that spot, you know where he's going to go. He's going to go to a Christless eternity. And I don't know about you, but that compels me. It's hard. I don't like rejection. I don't like people telling me I'm arrogant. I don't like people telling me I'm I'm exclusive. But you can do it lovingly and tell them about Jesus, the Christ, the Son of the living God. Finally, the confession is safe. I, I love this passage of Scripture. It's really talking about the church and the bedrock that the church is built on. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this is not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. This is not something Peter made up. It came right straight from God. And I tell you, Peter, that on this rock, this confession, I will build my church and the gates of death or hell will not overcome it. There's safety in that confession for us. If we know Christ is our Savior, we're safe. You know, some of the old, old songs, yeah talking about the safety of being in Christ and and the and the confidence we can have that we're going to spend eternity with him. But my friends, as a church their safety in the reality of knowing Christ and having a church that's built on this bedrock. One of the one of the stressing things to me as a Christian leader is that too many Christians on the radio and too many churches have this kind of attitude that the culture is going to come and demolish us. That the culture somehow is going to destroy the church. That we're not going to make it as a church unless we get political power, unless we we confront the culture and overturn the culture with strength. Tell that to my friends, my Christian brothers and sisters in China and other and middle and the Middle East and creative access countries where that is an impossibility at this point in time. We don't need to live in fear. We need to live as great commandment, great commission, great confession kinds of people. How many of you, if you have a offense on your property? And a gate on the fence that's on hinges. When you walk past that gate, you're worried that the gate is going to jump off its hinges and attack you. You never give that. That's silly. And yet, that's the way we often operate in this culture, that the gate is going to jump off its hinges and attack us. You know what that text is saying? That when we're great commandment, great commission, great confession kind of people, the evil that's in this culture cannot withstand that kind of church. and a church that's the kind of church that God has called us to be will influence will change a culture not through power of man but through the power of the holy spirit of god working through his people my friends i've read the end of the book the church triumphs we need not live in fear We need to be faithful, great commission people. Don't waste your time living in fear. Be faithful, great commission people. Be a church that's motivated by the very confession of Peter. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Be driven by that confession because it's so deep in your soul. Be driven by that confession to a culture that's lost and dying and needs to hear about Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, I, I look out over this congregation and there's so many people here Some, I'm sure, who are making an impact in their neighborhood, in their little world. But Lord, there's also those in this congregation that are just scared to death by this culture. They're frustrated because they don't know how to talk to this culture because this culture doesn't talk our language anymore. And yet this culture needs the church to love people and to reach out and to bring the good news of the gospel. Lord, might we be that kind of people. Might why is that a church be that kind of church? Might there be people sitting here this morning who have some kind of friendship with a neighbor or a co-worker who uh, says, boy, I wish I would have called them earlier in the week to bring them tonight, but maybe I can get them here tonight or next week. Or maybe that friend or neighbor just needs to be loved a little bit more so that they'll open up about their rotten marriage and their dysfunctional family. They need Jesus. Make us great commandment, great commission people, compelled by you are the Christ, the Son of the living God.